Hey you guys, it's Elise and Henry. Welcome to Coffee 101. All right, you guys, welcome back to class. Welcome back. Hopefully recess was good. <laughs> Hope you had a great lunch break. How was your bologna sandwich? Yeah, bologna, Lunchables, trademark. Can I say that? I, <laughs> I forgot. I don't know if I'm allowed to say trademark things. Recess might have been good. 15 minutes, though, and I blow the whistle and you come back to class. Oh, Mr. my God. So we, we want to just really quick preface. Um, last time we did one of these episodes, we said we were going to do like 201s, 301s, etc. 9001. 9001. Which, in, which is episode 9001, in case you didn't do math. No, that would just be... No, 9001. No, that would just be... 9001. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, no, yeah. 9001. No, we're just going to keep going. But in retrospect, in hindsight, it's probably just going to be a little too confusing. So this will just be our 101 series, and um, we'll just kind of put a little subtitle to make sure you know what episode this is. But today... With colons. With colons, because we're a class. But today we're going to talk about different types of brew methods. Um, So this is a question, or like a topic that I think um, confuses a lot of people because coffee is such like a versatile drink to have, but it can be brewed in so many different ways. So like, you know, to name a few, the drip, air Keurig. press, Keurig, V60. French press. Everything. Uh, I mean, there's drip. so many things. Origami. There's there's <clears throat> random ones that, that really not many people know about. Even the Finn Brewer. Siphon, Yama Tower. Yeah, from Vietnamese, Yama Tower. <clears throat> exactly. So we thought it would be a good idea to just break down the basics of brewing. Yes, yeah, so we, won't, like we won't get too in-depth into them because there's, yeah. just, there's just so much science that goes behind mm-hmm. how well we can make these coffees. Like I remember every now and then people come into our cafe and they, they buy a bag of our beans and they're like, oh, can you grind it first? And our question is always, oh, what how do you, do you make your mm-hmm. coffee? How and you honestly, like 80% of the time they say, oh, like on a coffee machine. And we're like, okay, well, what kind of coffee <laughs> machine? Like we, we want to know because we want to grind it according to how they make coffee. Right. So each brewing method has different ways to make coffee. So, mm-hmm. and then there's like water temperature gets involved. Mm-hmm. So there's a plethora of variables, but we really want to highlight, man, these are the particular brewing methods that we have, mm-hmm. methods that we can use, maybe some pros and cons and go from there. Cause honestly, if we stood here and went into the science for all of them, we'd be here for like Three hours. 90.01 hours. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so to start off with, um, Jonathan, Jonathan Morris, excuse me, <clears throat> who is a research professor in modern history at the University of Hertfordshire, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, he published a book recently on the global history of coffee, and he kind of breaks it down into four different categories. So the first is boiling. So that is basically ground coffee and water that are heated together. So a very common example of this would be Turkish coffee. So when you think about Turkish coffee, if you've never seen it, it's basically just like this this coffee brewing contraption. It's got this long handle. Um, it's, uh, you got finely ground coffee and you have the, in this like little cup, so to speak. Um, and then the grounds are left uh, inside the coffee when it's served. So it's actually a little bit more like muddier of a taste. Um, usually people add sugar, but the main thing is that the coffee and the water are brewed together at the same exact time. Um, this differs from immersion, which we'll be talking a lot more in depth about, um, which is hot water is added into the coffee later um, at like a, a different, it's all about like timing, I think is really one of the main things. Time is money. <laughs> 
Yes, okay. One of the most common ones is French press. So we're going to get into that. And then percolation. Um, these are the two main, immersion and percolation. Um, percolation is when hot water is passed through the grounds. So things like drip coffee machines, pour over methods like the V60 or the Chemex. And then lastly, pressure, which is hot water that's passed through the grounds with pressure that speeds up the extraction of coffee. So the most common is espresso. So <clears throat> let's break down immersion and percolation a little bit more. Um, Henry, can you start with immersion brewing? Yeah, and so honestly, I think before we even get into that, I think it's important to define what extraction means, mm, especially yeah. when you remember that. And so coffee extraction refers to the process of, extraction, of extracting desirable compounds from coffee beans. So essentially, what can we do to the coffee to make certain flavor notes and certain taste mm -hmm. of the coffee <clears throat> come out? Like, And there's this graph, it's like a TDS chart or whatever. Um, you can Google it after this. But there is a optimal taste for how we want coffee to be. And so in tasting coffee, the kind of the two trains of thought we have are over-extracted and under-extracted. Over-extracted mm -hmm. coffee tends to be a little bit bitter, not that not that pleasant. I think we've all had bitter coffee. Yeah. Whereas under-extracted coffee, where we didn't get as many flavors out, tends to be a little more on the sour side. Mm -hmm. Really so, bitter. I mean, not bitter. Bright. Sorry, is what I meant to say. Yeah, exactly. And so there are different ways to if you're if you're making your coffee and you tend to and your coffee tends to be over-extracted, you should probably change your grind size to be a little bit coarser. Or if it's under-extracted, go a little bit finer, which will have more surface area, mm -hmm. which is easier for your water to extract coffee. So that's a little science behind mm -hmm. how do we make our coffee taste better. Mm -hmm. But back to the basics, but yep. immersion and percolation. Yes. So it's also based a lot on timing, um, to yeah. say the least. But So immersion, um, and Henry can talk more about the like aeropress and the French press and stuff because I think Henry tends to like aeropresses. I frick with the aeropress. It's <laughs> so good. So immersion is basically the coffee grounds are immersed, steeped, or infused in water for about a few minutes until the desired brew strength is achieved. Again, so that extraction, right? Um, so theoretically, it's it's kind of comparable to how you would basically um, make a pot of tea, right? So if you think about it, you put the tea leaves in the pot, you put all the water in at the same exact time, let it sit there for a little bit, and then you've got your tea, or in this case, coffee. Coffee. So the, the contact time with water to coffee is a lot longer um, because you're putting all that hot water in all at once. So an interesting thing about a lot of immersion brewers, though, is that Something like a French press, for example, it doesn't require a paper filter, unlike drip coffee machines or even pour-over uh, methods. Um, so your co coffee cup tends to have like particles in it um, because there is nothing to filter the, the tiny little particles um, when you uh, brew your coffee. So French press is an extremely easy method to brew coffee, but again, it's not like clear necessarily as far as like actual texture is concerned yeah and a little history of the french press it is actually invented by an italian man <laughs> named altilo calimani calimani i'm sorry if i got that wrong i've been to italy so i feel like I altilo calimani an italian man but it just seems like the the french people really enjoyed this type of coffee because again earlier french press tends to be steep longer so it sits it uh, french presses two parts the glass carafe and then the metal mesh filter that you push through 
coffee needs to sit there longer and so <clears throat> that's why they prefer using dark roast coffee for that mm -hmm. so it sits there longer you can press it through and so French kind of the French culture really preferred that darker roast mm -hmm. coffee you might have heard that in our episode on Vietnam but then we get to the AeroPress which is one of my favorite ways to make coffee AeroPress was actually invented in America by Alan Alder in 2005 Adler, <clears throat> Adler. and it involves two pieces there's like a plunger and then there's another, almost like a, almost like a, um, that's like a plunger and then like a little bottom piece where the coffee will sit in it, almost like a, almost like another carafe, but they're both plastic. And then there's another little black piece where your paper filter will sit in. <clears throat> so basically, there are, and with the AeroPress, there's actually two methods to make the AeroPress. There's the normal way, so if you have an AeroPress at home, pay attention. There's <laughs> the piece that doesn't look like a plunger that the coffee sits in where the cap and the filter go on. It's like the cylindrical piece <clears throat> the, cylindrical the piece, Yeah. Pour the water into it, let it steep for however long. Now the interesting thing is <clears throat> with AeroPress and French press, the AeroPress, it's wild. You can go fine, you can go medium, you can steep for like a minute, you can steep for like two and a half minutes, but it's definitely quicker mm -hmm. than the V60 method. Mm -hmm. but yeah, the coffee sits in it, you pour your water, let it steep, and then you press it through. Uh, some cons of that method is Basically, your <clears throat> the, the coffee is sitting in that cylinder piece, and sometimes some of the water comes through the bottom as it's sitting there on top of your carafe. But there's a way to like suction it so it doesn't fall through. But then there's the inverted method where it's the same concept, but the whole AeroPress is upside down, where your plunger is kind of sitting on your scale, and then your cylinder, and then the coffee is sitting in it. And that method, water isn't gonna pass through because mm -hmm. it's upside down a little more controlled <clears throat> yeah, a little more controlled but then the other flip side of that is you have to flip the AeroPress over to press it through right and you could miss so make sure you have steady hands if you're going to do that method yeah <laughs> so google you can always google the inverted versus the regular method i think both methods can provide a good clean cups of coffee mm -hmm. and as we compare kind of the AeroPress and in the french press the AeroPress will have a shorter steep time so I believe the AeroPress actually, I like the AeroPress better because you can use lighter roast coffee, but you're still going to have more of a balanced flavors, meaning like uh, all the flavor notes on the coffee bags will tend to come out, will have a better body to it because, again, it's an immersion brew. Mm -hmm. So all the coffee is sitting in there, <clears throat> and again, so all your coffees will have a good balance of flavors. Now, if you're looking to buy one of these, they're actually really cost effective. Yeah. AeroPress is 30 bucks, and if you when you buy the AeroPress for 30 bucks, you get like... 300 filters you get a little like cool little baggie to put it in <laughs> and you get like a little <clears throat> like a little filter holder so you get the whole thing 30 bucks really good deal french press honestly varies i mean you can walk into a yeah. target and find if a you cheap get like french a, press. yeah if you get like a cheap plastic one it's probably about the same price but if you get like you know the nice glass carafes or like um i don't know like a slightly larger size depends <clears throat> on how much coffee you want to do but um ultimately those two methods are extremely accessible and they're um, easy. And they're super easy. So that's like the beauty of immersion brewing is it's you put everything in at one time and it's your judgment call on how long. So the longer you steep it, probably the more like darker the flavor is going to be or, or again, like over extracted the flavor might be. Uh, or if you let it sit for just a few minutes, under extracted potentially. But, you know, taste is subjective. And so if you want some of those specific types of flavors, um, then that's totally up to you. And very minimal, um, what's the word, like attention needs to be paid to the actual brewing. Yeah, it's simple. It's one pour, just get some boiling water, yep. and it's really simple. It's really easy, and I think 
honestly, whenever someone comes up to me and says, Henry, what do I get? What's the first thing I should buy to get in the coffee? And I, I mostly recommend an AeroPress over a French press just because I prefer lighter roast coffees. But again, it tastes subjective and it mm-hmm. comes down to preference. But if you prefer kind of the darker roast coffees, buy a French press. They're cheap, they're easy, and you don't have to rebuy a filter. And they're both pretty easy to clean, honestly. Yeah, yeah. well, the French press can be a little <coughs> French bit French press can be a little bit of a tricky. butt to clean. But, <laughs> and sometimes you can get even like unwanted uh, coffee grounds in your coffee right, when you make yeah. a French press. Right. But they're both easy they're both easy to clean, minimal minimal mess and easy super easy easy to use. And yeah. honestly if you need an easy recipe, just Google it. There are tons of other coffee shops that provide yeah. recipes for that. We can link some of our favorite recipes in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the little bit more involved method, which is percolation. So again, like we said at the beginning <clears throat> Immersion and percolation are the two main ones that you probably, as any coffee shop goer, uh, or even just like a coffee lover, interact with on a, on a general basis. So like we said, percolation is when hot water passes through the grounds, and it's commonly found in things like drip coffee machines or pour-over methods like a V60 or a Chemex. So, and gravity pulls it down. Exactly. So simply put, percolation... That's my gravity sound. <laughs> simply put... Percolation is continually cycling the boiling or nearly boiling water through the grounds using gravity until the strength is is reached. So, um, or that extraction is reached. So, the contact time again, it's about time, uh, is a lot less because you tend to pour the hot water in cycles. Um, or even like if you go to specialty shops, you'll hear uh, baristas say like pulses of water. Um, so if you've ever seen someone do a pour over method, um, you'll see them pouring the water in in intervals. So it's not all at one time. It's a, a much more involved process. If you order a pour over from a specialty shop, it usually ranges time wise about like, you know, three to five minutes or so, depending on what it is. But um, that's that's the like beauty of it and what I think makes it a specialty as well. It's like you're willing to not only like pay a slightly higher price for it, but you're also willing to pay a slightly higher price of time as well. So um, personally, we always like to do um, a Kalita cup in our episodes. You might've heard that at the beginning of our episodes a lot. Um, Kalita wave is, is just another version of like a pour over method. Um, we take that boiling water, get those grounds, and pulse that water um, over the, the, the grounds. So it has a flat bottom. <clears throat> That's what Kalita wave is like. It's a circular right. piece where it has a very, it has a very flat bottom. Right. And it also just depends too on um, most of these, most of these <clears throat> like percolation brewing methods will involve a filter as mm. well, like a paper filter. So you get a really clear, clean cup of coffee as opposed to something like a French press where you don't have a paper filter that catches like all the extra particles. So you, the likelihood of you getting a ground of coffee in something that you did a pour over with is extremely rare. Unless you just Unless you messed, messed up. up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is again, like don't Which worry. Is possible. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Also wet your filter. Yeah, wet your filter. We'll, we'll link some recipes and you'll know that what we, we basically mean means that. when you put the filter in the device, pour your hot water in it. A, that gets rid of like the initial papery taste in your coffee because mm-hmm. you pour it out in the trash. And it also heats up your vessel just like a little bit. Yeah. So ever, there's so many variables when it yeah. comes to pour overs. Water temperature, grind size. Maybe we'll do an episode on how to how to make your coffee taste better one yeah. day. Yeah. But there's just so much that goes into it that like, again, we'd be here till 
<laughs> what time is it? We'd be here till it's ten o'clock now. We'd be here till like I don't know, like three a.m. Oh, just best kidding. time to eat a cheeseburger, three a.m. <laughs> doing that. So, so <laughs> I personally enjoy the pour over methods. I think um, I just think it's a fun and <clears throat> and much more again like the word I keep thinking of is involved, but only mm. because it requires more intentionality and care and attention. So if you're the kind of person who really just needs a quick grab and go coffee, you know, that's okay. Maybe the, the pour over method's not for you, but if you have time, it's kind of like a ritual. Like I know mm. a lot of baristas think about it as a ritual or, or like a therapeutic process for them. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, when people do bonsai trees or something like that, or like, uh, origami or something i'm using a lot of asian references but it helps you slow down yeah because i like for me when i make a pour over even sometimes an aeropress in the morning like i'm a very fast-paced person i'm like like go do this but like it just kind of slows down my morning or afternoon mm-hmm. or evening it's 10 o'clock i'm drinking coffee right now it slows me down helps me think and helps me kind of even like reminisce on my day or, or like think about what i'm doing for the rest of the day and you're right i like that yeah meditate yeah mm-hmm. it's like a ritual i love it so Lastly, or sort of lastly, pressure brewing method is when the hot water is passed through with pressure. So lastly, we have like another section. Yeah, yeah, I know. I meant brewing methods. <laughs> Wait, I want to say one more thing about the percolation. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, pricing things. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yes. If you want to buy, all these have different varying costs. I'd say a V60, you can get a nice plastic V60 for like 25 bucks, Hario mm-hmm. on Amazon. You can buy Kalita Wave for like 30 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. You can buy Chemex for like 35, 40. All of these things are gonna be within the 20 to the 45, $50 price range. I would say if you want the cheapest plastic V60, super simple. The Hario one has one for 25. Mm-hmm. It comes with a carafe, it's like a glass like mug that you can pour it on and then filters. 25 bucks, super simple, yeah. super cheap. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so going into pressure brewing, so this is what you would commonly see as espresso. X, espresso. Most definitely not espresso. If you pronounce it as espresso, I'm so sorry. It's actually wrong. That's e- espresso. Espresso is my X. Get it? Because like you're not supposed to do it. No. Nope. And okay. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna move on from there. <laughs> I try to make a pun per episode, but on the spot. Because I don't want to play it one ahead. Well. No, it's it not okay. Go, well. go back to it. So, so again, it's all about the extraction rate. So all of the methods previously mentioned uh, have different timing of extraction. So espresso is the quickest version of it in a sense. So you get the most bang for your buck in the shortest amount of time. However, it's super easy and fragile to um, under extract or over extract. So getting yeah. the recipe for extracting the espresso correctly is takes a lot a little bit more time and and care and intentionality so um before we jump into the different types of espresso drinks because i do think sometimes when you walk into a specialty shop and if you don't really know the different espresso drinks uh, it can be a little intimidating so i do want to go break that down but before we do an honorable mention of brewing method instant coffee um instant coffee is is a you know cultural phenomenon in a lot of different other cultures but it actually started off as a concentrate oh, of coffee, milk, and sugar <coughs> that was produced during the American Civil War. So kind of crazy. But fun fact, though, it was so unpopular amongst what? the troops. They hated it, so they discontinued it. <laughs> Which is wild because I feel like a lot of specialty coffee shops are trying to bring it back. Yeah. Like I've seen it in like shops. Like specialty coffee, like make it, make it tasteful, you know? Yeah, make instant special. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So the concept of instant coffee, though, was later picked up by Scotland, um, but a French company called Camp Coffee patented it in 1881. So um, I actually didn't know this until <laughs> low-key today, but instant coffee is done in two different ways. So despite the way that it appears, instant coffee is not actually ground whole beans coffee. It's actually already extracted coffee. Um, so it's already been with the water, the brew, etc. But it's either been freeze dried or spray dried, hmm. the two most common ways. And so you're basically like taking the already extracted grounds, freeze drying them or spray drying them and kind of like reversing the process. Like axe spray? Oh, so no. you spray dry, it's, it's, let's see. I asked her a question and she wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. Come on, Mrs. Elise. <laughs> Let's go. It basically says spray drying is preferred to freeze drying in some cases because it allows larger scale economic production. I think it's just a larger way of freeze drying. Okay. It. It's, like, it's, like, it's like dry shampoo. You just It's just weird. Yeah, I guess so. But you basically remove the moisture in the grounds. Mm, that makes sense. Already. So you're reversing the process, and then you add the water back in. So the shelf life of it is technically longer, in in a sense. Um, but to that point, instant coffee picked up a lot more popularity in the latter half of the years, um, especially after World War II. Uh, so wartime is kind of like where it started, and wartime is, again, where it picked up popularity. It's just like a quick, easy method. So... Um, and it's coming back. And it's coming back. And so there's a lot of cultures and a lot of Asian cultures, especially, <clears throat> that will um, are really value instant coffee and like Thailand did, China, even China did. Yeah, you know? so, wow, that's so cool. So we're I wonder talk- why. I actually wonder why. This is because of the grab and go culture of like yeah, maybe. Asian cultures. Because China, maybe. that was like when we did research on China, that was a lot of like mm-hmm. what their culture was like. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's probably a, a lot of cultural context that that we have yet to discover about like instant coffee, but it's most certainly very popular in Asian countries. But mm. um, let's break down some espresso drinks. Yes, so. this is a, like something I'm I'm also very passionate about. Oh, I know me you too, were, yeah. So. Every time a customer, oh my gosh. we get this question a lot. Like what's the difference between a cappuccino, a latte, a whatever, like et cetera, et cetera. Like, and th- those are all very fair questions because it's really not that self-explanatory. Oh, so yeah. you come in and you see the stereotypical like black velvet felt board and with the like white letters and Are you describing our shop right now? I mean, it's like virtually every Sometimes like, sometimes shop. it's like the they use those those plastic letters, you know, where they yeah. they just they, it's on like the wooden like two by fours and yeah. they're set up. Those are really cool. Yeah. Okay. But those there's like a scrabble board, but like it's basically There's one shop in up up in Northern Virginia, Caffeine. It's a Asian mm-hmm. owned shop and it's they they have like a projector but it oh, projects cool. it like LED lights like on the wall. The projector is like in the ceiling. It's so cool. Wow, that's cool. But so you walk in, right? And imagine this board and you see all these espresso drinks. So espresso, like we mentioned, it is a pressure version of, of brewing. And normally the the typical amount that a specialty shop produces is a double shot. So you get two times the shot of caffeine. And in, in espresso, it's most shops, when you get a latte or whatever, which we'll explain in a moment, they use a blend of espresso or a house espresso. Mm-hmm. That's typically multiple means multiple origins in the espresso. Typically, like our our cafe uses three different countries right now, mm-hmm. and our house espresso 
and that tends to pair really quite nicely when you get like vanilla lattes or other other sweeter drinks just because of how mm -hmm. how the espresso is made mm -hmm. but there's also what we call single origin espresso mm -hmm. that most coffee shop most specialty coffee shops have also when we talk about these brewing methods these are typically exclusive to like third wave shops right like like I've heard that some Starbucks like have pour overs or like some second wave shops have that. Like Starbucks reserves yeah, and things but, like that. Yeah, but, but, but not all of them. So right. most third wave shops, which you don't know what that means, you better go back to the last episode, students, <laughs> <clears throat> will explain to you what embodies the third wave coffee movement. But yeah, single origin, single origin espressos typically mean exactly what it says. Right. Single From origin, one, one origin. country. Those espressos are drinks you preferably want to drink by themselves or with a little bit of milk that we'll talk about in a bit because if it's one country, if you start adding sugars and tons of stuff to it, you tend to mask the flavor of right. the coffee itself. Right. And so let's break it down from starting with break it down. the least amount. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, I can't. No, I can't. I thought Elise was going to rap for me, I wish I could freestyle on the spot. No, I'm so sorry. So let's break it down from the least amount of milk to the most amount of milk. So starting off with the very beginning, an Americano. Um, no this, milk. <laughs> no milk at all. This is just a double shot of espresso with various amounts of hot water. So, for example, at our shop, we ask the customer if they want five, seven, or 10 ounces of water, or if they want more, it's up to them. But it's basically just those two shots of espresso and it's the diluted espresso with hot water. Do you know why it's called the Americano? I don't, tell me why, Yes, Henry. so back, I, I wanna say it was World War II, but in one of the wars, America, <coughs> American War troops, wars, it's a Dungeons and Dragons thing that we do with our staff, but <laughs> there were American troops that were over in Italy and they did not like Italian espresso because it was too strong for them. So they diluted it with water, thus the Americano was born. Freaking losers. I'm just yeah, kidding. What? I'm just Americanos kidding. are good. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. like, I can do like a five ounce Americano, just a little bit of water. And then I actually, when I drink my normal espresso, I drink it straight up. Mm -hmm. When I make Americanos, I scoop the crema off. The crema is that like bright, layer. that layer of like, Creamy. of gases basically. This It's like that light brown layer that you see on top of espresso. I just scoop it off with a spoon and because it's not... A pleasing flavor and I drink it mm -hmm. so um, but yeah hot water hot water hot yeah water. diluted basically so next up is a macchiato so Ooh. okay I actually forgot to tell you this before so we want to be very careful on how we approach macchiato okay <laughs> so the macchiato we love all of our customers we love all of our customers the traditional Italian macchiato is unfortunately not the same as a Starbucks macchiato. So the only reason why is is the traditional Italian macchiato is <laughs> is incredibly tiny. It's just a double shot of espresso. It's either it depends on the culture that you're you're uh, buying it from, but typically either just a splash of steamed milk or just the foam of steamed milk. So it's only total two to three ounces. Really small. Super it's small. not ten ounces with caramel and right. milk, which so, is which is fine. fine. Most people when they come in, they ask for an ice vanilla, ice vanilla macchiato or whatever. Or caramel macchiato. Caramel or macchiato. Nine times out of ten, they want a latte. A but latte. We're gonna get there. Someone actually came in a couple weeks ago and they they asked for a macchiato and wanted a traditional and, and wanted traditional, but our our barista adult, um, he made oh them like God. he made them like the ice vanilla. <laughs> Latte and the dude was like, 
I thought this was like two ounces. Oh, so no. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dalton. It was just, but but again, I don't. Starbucks something to do with the foam level on on their version of the ice caramel macchiato mm-hmm. is they decided to call it that, and so it actually has caused confusion. Right. And specialty coffee. But right. it's okay. Because, again, we understand what people want. Right. Most most of the times when people want a macchiato, like an actual macchiato, they right. say, can I have a traditional right. macchiato? Yeah. So if you ever walk into a, a specialty shop, like make sure you um, know mm. that most likely the third wave shop will have a traditional macchiato. And if you want something close to a Starbucks caramel macchiato or something like that, you actually want a latte. But before we get there, let's keep breaking down some of these um, milk drinks. So next you have what's called a cortado. It's my favorite. You also, it's also been called a Gibraltar, but it's basically four ounces, still all double shots. So basically everything is, you're taking that double shot of espresso and adding different amounts of milk to it. So it's called a Cortado, but it's also called a uh, Gibraltar. Um, because, I actually did not know that part yet. Mm-hmm, um, it's, it's called the Gibraltar because of the name of the cup that it was served in. So it's defined by that cup that it's served in. So if you come to a specialty shop, maximum probably four ounces, um, including the double shot of espresso. Again, all steamed milk. Um, next, you have what's called the flat white. This is also caused a lot of controversy controversy in the specialty world because there are so many different versions of a flat white, really depending on where you're buying it from. So whether that's Australia, New Zealand, the United States, etc. There's so many different versions of a flat white. But the way that the most general people do um, a flat white is kind of similar to like a cappuccino in a lot of ways it's just like a little bit less milk so like maybe somewhere from four to four to six ounces uh total um then you have a cappuccino this is very common uh especially like when you think about traditional like italian shops or something like that like like going to italy or france or something and getting a cappuccino it's the double shot of espresso one of our co-workers calls it the cappuccini Cappuccini? Yeah, because we had a customer that said that, so she calls it the cappuccini. <laughs> and so it's basically either anywhere from six to eight ounces total, including this espresso and milk. It tends to have more foam though, so most cappuccinos are made with like a lot of that, that frothier, foamier texture. However, uh, most specialty shops, just because of the way that you know you want to prioritize latte art, will steam the milk a little bit more on the wet side, quote unquote. Um, and that's kind of like how you get uh, the proper consistency for latte art. Um, but traditional cappuccinos are made with more foam, so it's just like that layer. Yeah, foam. and I was actually researching the reason why it's called a cappuccino is that the capuchins, which were kind of friars that were in France, they the way they dressed is similar to the texture that you want of the dry milk, of oh, the frothy wow. milk. So that's what they call it that. They named it after those fryers. That's kind of cool. It's kind of dope. That's so fun. They got, they dressed dope. They got <laughs> swag, 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 And the, they got swag a drink the named after them. They got a drink. I want a drink named after me. We'll get there. Um, lastly, the <clears throat> latte. So everyone generally has an idea of what a latte is, but it's anything probably larger than like eight ounces, probably like nine and up. So this is where it gets just kind of thrown in with a lot of things. Latte in Italian means milk. So, you know, if you're going to go into Italy and you ask for latte, they're just going to give you a glass of milk. <laughs> it's but, like it's like different different culture, different context, but like 
also a lot of Americans get like queso, like the cheese dip. Yeah. Like one time I was I was in I was in a very traditional like restaurant in Texas, like traditional Mexican food. I was just my friend who didn't know, and he goes, "Can I have some queso dip?" And they literally brought him out like shredded cheese, <laughs> just because like that's what that's what queso means. You right. Know? No, exactly. Yeah. And so to that point, like latte is you're you're wanting. You're asking for the most amount of milk possible with the double shot of espresso. Mm. So um, this is where it gets kind of confusing. Again, so like Starbucks, just because it's the, the mega giant, like if you ask for mega a... Giant. It is, like the big, you know, giant coffee chain, but right? But America does not run on them. It runs on Dunkin'. Mm. <laughs> this is not an ad. <laughs> Trademark. So, <laughs> if you, let's say you go to like Starbucks and you get like a venti latte, right? That normally means probably like three shots of espresso and like... Uh, I don't know, like 16 ounces of milk, right? So it's a lot of milk. Whereas like, let's say for example, our shop, we have a 10 ounce latte or a 16 ounce latte. However, both sizes of the latte still come with two shots of espresso. So really what you're doing with our larger size of the latte is you're just adding more milk to- Or more, a more sweetener. Right, or more sweetener, depending on if you want a flavor yeah. on it. So most specialty shops will tend to offer only one size of latte. It just depends on the shop you go to. But again, like sometimes maybe they'll have like the 10 or the 16 ounce or something like that. Um, other specialty shops won't even offer like flavorings, like syrups to put in it. It just depends on the, the third wave of, or that third wave shop. Um, but that's why it's a little bit confusing. So again, back to the caramel macchiato thing. If you're going to Starbucks and asking for a caramel macchiato, you're really actually just asking for a caramel latte. Um, yeah. So that's why it's just kind of confusing. But if you go to a specialty shop and you ask for a caramel latte, you will get a caramel latte, basically the same as caramel macchiato. So if you are interested in getting into more of a specialty coffee realm, start thinking about how those drinks translate over into mm. the third wave uh, of, of coffee and kind of what those mean on, on a, a baseline. And again, all of these we kind of put with a little asterisk, like these different drink names, because you know, in the States it's pretty standard, but if you go to like Australia or if you go to New Zealand or even like Asia, they, they vary ever so slightly. So like I have a, a good friend who's a barista or used to be a barista in um, uh, Australia. Oh, no way. And um, they make cappuccinos with chocolate, like chocolate syrup. Oh, what? It's so random, right? So it's like, it's not a universal it's just a cultural Standard. thing. It's just a cultural thing. But if you go to a specialty shop in the United States, you will most likely find this order of operations. For sure. Um, so we talked a lot about like, you know, drinks, different methods, etc. But I think a, another common question, like you said, Henry, earlier, like, where do a I lot start? Of, yeah, like, yeah. where do I begin? Yeah, I have, I have so many friends that, that ask me, I even think back before I got into coffee, and it's like, I want to get into coffee. Like, what do I do? I don't want to invest that much money. Like, they'll see my, you know, the bar that I have in my house, and they're like, "How much money did you put into that?" And I'll and I'll tell them, and I'm like, and they, you know, they freak out. Then I'm like, okay, guys, I didn't buy all of that in one day. It yeah. took years of saving up money and yeah. and investing, and then slowly kind of working my way up to buy things. And so, but at, at first, it begins with an interest and a willingness to purchase good quality coffee. Yeah. So what that basically means, though, is like developing a palette and a sense for what is quality coffee so um, it's unfortunate but there are good quality coffee and not good quality coffee and again drink coffee the way you like it taste is subjective but at the end of the day um, just like you know anything like the choice cuts of steak or like 
the ripest produce or things like that. It's it's the same. It's it's, it's a crop. So finding good quality coffee, which usually can be associated with uh, local roasters or local yeah. shops. Um, a great a great um, guide to use if you're having trouble finding specialty shops. If you go on Sprudge.com, they're mm-hmm. a specialty coffee kind of blog and information site. If you type in SprudgeCoffee.com and look up their city guides tab, it'll they basically have all the major cities mm-hmm. across the world, honestly, and they'll yeah. give you, hey, these are the best shops that that <clears throat> provide quality coffee that you can go to if you're visiting cities. I honestly, whenever I go to a new city. I typically use spreads to be like, oh man, what yeah, are, what are the same. coffees in Nashville? What are the coffees in Charlotte? You know, right, exactly. LA, you know, Hawaii, you know, Antarctica, you know, we gotta see. <laughs> hey, I don't, yeah, you never know. Penguin Wave Coffee would be the name <laughs> of the first specialty coffee shop in Antarctica. Maybe there already is one. You don't know that. Oh yeah, check or out Santa Cl- Santa Claus Coffee in the North Pole. <laughs> North Pole Coffee. <laughs> but long story short, right? So like. Let's say let's say you want to get into specialty coffee, but you're still kind of like developing a palate. Start where you are. Start with what you have, mm. whether that be a Keurig or an espresso, or if you just go to McDonald's or like a 7-Eleven and like get coffee. Like start there. That's okay. Develop a palate for what is the quality of the coffee that you're tasting at those places. And mm. I say that to say like, you know, those those coffees have a, a quality of their own, and maybe they're not like exactly comparable to like specialty shops necessarily, but you know, that's the point, right? Like it's buying, I'm trying to think of like the best comparable. It's like buying a hamburger from McDonald's versus buying a hamburger from like an actual like hamburger place. Yeah, no, right. well, I agree. You know? and, and honestly, like <clears throat> on that, if you listen to our first episode, I kind of talked about my coffee testimony. Like I noticed differences between like a McDonald's coffee, black coffee, or like my cafeteria, my mm-hmm. college's black coffee versus like a Keurig. And I noticed differences in that. And I mm-hmm. asked why. Right. And so if, again, it starts with, hey, at least try to drink it black. Go to these shops, the random, you know, not third wave shops. It's okay to start there. Right. Especially, you know, if money is an issue, like, hey, it's okay to start drinking black coffee there. And this is actually for the for the baristas listening that probably know a lot about coffee. I think, I think it's very prideful to say I can never drink like McDonald's black coffee or 7-Eleven black coffee. So every now and then, the last time I think I did it was like two months ago. I went to like a like a Sheets gas station. And I just got a drip coffee and yeah. I drank it. And A, it helped me appreciate high quality coffee. And right. B, it really continued <clears throat> to test my palate. I'm like, this is what a not high quality cup tastes like. And it helps train your palate. So every now and then, it's okay to get just a black cup of coffee from a random gas station or whatever to to train your palate if you're really into coffee or if you want to start getting into coffee right and so again like working your way up to drinking coffee strictly black is the best way to develop a a better sense of like a tasting palate because when you add all those like sugar and cream and additives and stuff it really um masks the original flavor of the coffee so you're really not giving yourself a fair shot at what the the original flavor of the coffee is intended to be. So give yourself and the coffee a fair shot and try it black. Yeah. Coffee black. Yeah, drink coffee black. And I think we always say drink coffee the way you like it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. But I think it comes down to being open to drinking it black. That's what it comes down to. Like, are you willing to start attempting it? Because again, if we're going to drink coffee the way we like it, then we must learn to drink it the way it's intended to taste like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... Yeah, and and yeah. you know, and if you're ready to take that step to go to a specialty shop, take a friend with you. Take a friend who like is a barista or like knows a little bit more about coffee. Like, it, it's totally understandable that when people feel incredibly intimidated by specialty shops, because really, like, 
and baristas, if you're listening, like this is on us to make sure that these spaces. We're jerks. Yeah, we're not like we want to make sure that we <laughs> are not pretentious, that we are not snobs, that we like create an, a welcoming and accessible like environment for people mm. who um, want to be educated Gravity. on this, <laughs> and and give an opportunity for those people to just be like. Honestly, like, it's on baristas to be like, hey, man, you want to try this? Or like, hey, like, I just whipped this up. Like, try it and, and, and open up doors for people to learn about this because that's the whole point. Like, make coffee accessible. Um, and so, so if you're new, brand new to coffee, start where you are. If you are already in the coffee world, um, keep exploring and, um, you know, go back and try different things. Yeah, and if you need more resources on how to make coffee better and how to learn, obviously this is just an episode on the podcast. Here's some resources you can check out. You can check out Laura Clark. She's the Asian barista hey. on Instagram. You got the Chocolate Barista on Instagram. You got Lance Hendricks, who's on Instagram and YouTube. And you also got James Hoffman, who's also a kind of the, the – I don't know. He's like one of the biggest coffee guys right now. Yeah, and like he's incredible. really great YouTuber. Breaks things down really easily. So we will link a lot of these people in the show notes. Um, in and Bartholomew Jones yes, out of Memphis. He's yes. the man out of Coffee Black. Coffee Black. And so, um, or even like Department of Virology, like they've got some cool uh, stuff there. So we'll link a couple of uh, all the stuff in the show notes. Don't worry about that. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to DM us as well. Um, yeah, we, hit us up. We'd be so happy Slide to like, no talk. DMs. Tom Cruise in our DMs. <laughs> Stupid. It, all, it always starts with just having a conversation, mm. right? So... We are so open. We love when people ask us questions about coffee. Like we are so hype about it and like passionate about it. So um, we are here as a resource for you. And if you want to check us out, we are at AZ and Coffee Co on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we are gonna release our, our website soon. We keep saying that, but we promise we will. <laughs> it's just like it's like a trailer for like a movie. It's like oh, the movie's coming out soon. It's coming. No, we. It's like the up. final touches. I like. I, I really think when. Da Vinci was making the Mona Lisa that he told people it's almost done. It's almost done. Did Da Vinci do the Mona Lisa? Who did it? I think so. <laughs> was it him? I think it was him. <laughs> He's like, it's almost done. It's almost guys, the website. I thought you were gonna done. say like David or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> we should keep going. Our creative director Ellie is like screaming in the background. <laughs> I tend to think It is Da Vinci. Is, I tend to think I am a funny person. I really hope people listening <laughs> are laughing too cuz that would be really awkward. Well guys, that's that's all we that's have. It. That's yeah, it. guys, get out of here. Class is over. Go home. We'll see you next. We'll week. see you next time. Take care. Bye.